On this episode, we discuss Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, starring Daniel Day-Lewis. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey Dan, I'm Stuart. <laughs> hey <Wellington>. Stuart <laughs> and Dan, I'm Elliot. <laughs> Thank you again for introducing yourself to me, Stuart. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey Elliot, what's up? Oh, hey Stu. It's been a while. It has been. You were on a trip. I was on a trip. We're all we're all tripping. <laughs> so what do we do here again? <laughs> That's true. Uh, we watch a movie. Uh, all together, we sit in a room. People ask, do you sit in a room and watch the movie? We do. No one's ever asked that. <laughs> Nobody asked we all me. sit together in a room and watch the movie, and okay, then we talk about it. Okay, you've done an incredibly thorough job of explaining how we sit when we watch the movie. They're next to each other sometimes, on top of each other. Who cares? Yeah, come it's on. It's cool. It's a movie Sometimes watching. Elliot's hands creep up my thigh. That's not true at but all. I'm he's usually he's just, too busy eating chicken. I'm usually just looking for your penis. <laughs> So this is a bad movie podcast. It's called The Flop House. I'm uh, Ellie Kalen. I'm Stuart Wellington. <laughs> we did this part, guys. Uh, did we? This I have that memento thing, but I forget anything that was 45 seconds earlier. Immediately. My name is Ellie Kalen. Okay. Oh, uh, and tonight we watched a little film, a very little film. It was a major motion picture. Called Abraham Lincoln Colon. Vampire Hunter. Wait, so Abraham Lincoln's colon was a vampire hunter? According yes. to the movie, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, many men's colons just get diseased as they grow older. This yeah. man's fought vampires. Wow, he really was a great historical figure. Certainly what he did in real life is overshadowed by the vampire hunting. Mm-hmm. So, Elliot. That's you my name. Lo- you love Abraham Lincoln. I do very much. I consider him the greatest of men. Okay, so I'm, I think we've talked about this. You were really excited about the, watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I was Actually, I was a little excited about watching this because I knew it was going to be awful. But I was very unexcited when the book this movie was based on first came out. I thought it was kind of a dumb idea. And to be fair, I didn't read the book, so I can't judge it on its merits. But the movie is great. No, it's <laughs> okay, terrible. It's very alert. bad. Spoiler sure. alert, it's not a good movie. Yeah. But they, it seems like the movie is even very loose compared to the original book from what I've heard. Okay, but wasn't it written by the same guy? The screenplay is written by the same guy, Seth Graham Smith, who a lot of people know best from his book Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. The, sure. fir- the, the book that helped invent the mash-em-up tradition. The that book was... that kicked off a million irritating things. Well, it's the book that invented a tradition invented by Philip Jose Farmer and before that invented by other people of taking different types of fictional characters and mashing them up together. Mm-hmm. And... The, and Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter was described as a mashup up also, but it's not. It's just historical fiction. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, if that's a mashup, then Harry Turtledove's career is a mashup because he's written fucking a whole series about aliens invading during World War II, you know? Yeah, I. But do no not. dragons. There's no dragons in that one. I don't think there are dragons okay. in that one. You're thinking of the World War I dragon comic book Arrowsmith oh, okay. by Kurt Busiek and Carlos Pacheco. That's how you pronounce that name? Uh, maybe. Okay. Aerosmith, the hit Boston rock band? Not Aerosmith, the rock band, and not Aerosmith, the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel by Sinclair Lewis. All right. So, Although he turned down the uh, Pulitzer Prize for that one. Why don't, we, why, don't we, uh, why don't we give an overview of this thing? Well, it's directed by, what's his name, Timur Timbuktu? <laughs> Tim, Timur Berenkoff? Berenkoff? Here, I got it written down in front Timor, of me. Timur, uh, the Night Watch guy. It's directed by Timor. His name is Timur <laughs> Bekmambatov, and he is a Kazakh-Russian director best known for, yeah, the Night Watch, Day Watch, and Wanted, mm-hmm. the hit film we, starring we... Angelina Jolie's Tiger Tattoo. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Starring the, Angelina Chili getting out of a pool naked. And a bullet that curves around things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, the movie where at the end uh, the main character tells you that you haven't done anything worthwhile because you haven't shot anybody across yeah. the world. You're not an awesome <laughs> hitman like he was. 
Uh, so there's a lot of style in this movie, maybe too much style, and uh, it tries to cover up for the fact that there's Impossible. not a lot of story in this movie, which I will explain thusly. Uh, we be- begin around 1818. Actually, that's not true. We begin in modern-day times. Then, as Abraham Lincoln narrates, we go back to the 1860s, and then we go back to 1818. This all happens in about a minute and a half. Uh, there's no reason for us to start in the present and go to the past. To remind people that the United States has a history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess to they're remind, introducing the first character, history. To, to remind people that the Union did not dissolve, that in fact... We still have it. Yeah. So, spoiler alert, Abraham Lincoln was successful <laughs> in saving the Union. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, we start go back to 1818, he's about nine years old, and his dad is a poor guy working on a dock or a warehouse or something, mm-hmm. and some mean guy is whipping black people... And Abe Lincoln tries to stop him, and he starts whipping baby boy Abe Lincoln. And Abe Lincoln's dad stops the guy from whipping him, and the guy says, I'll get revenge. Next scene, it's nighttime. Abe Lincoln's at his house, I guess reading by candlelight or something. The guy was always self-educating. Yeah, yeah. And a vampire attacks his mom. Gross. And his mom dies of vampire attackism. And he vows that he will kill the man who did this to his mom. Who he, he does saw, not know at this point is a well, vampire. Well, but he, he doesn't know he's a vampire, but he saw him do it. So he knows he's a dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an old, Now he's an adult. He goes to get his revenge, shoots the guy in the eye, and he's still alive. He's a vampire. Oh, Opens his mouth wide, big fangs. He's got a monster face, yeah, and he's all veiny. Because when vampires get mo- vampire they get veiny. And uh, he's almost killed, but is saved at the last minute by a man named Henry. Who teaches him how to be the, with the with the cool name of Henry? It plays it pretty fast. It, it, they do a lot of shorthand where they're just like, ah, people know what vampires are. Just make them veiny and give them a wacky mouth. Mm-hmm. They uh... yeah, wacky mouths like wax lips <laughs> yeah. and a big Mick Jagger Rolling Stone tongue. <laughs> they like uh, steampunk punk out- outfits. They just, yeah, they wear all wear sunglasses, even though it's the eighteen sixties. Yeah, uh, and. Henry teaches Abe Lincoln how to be a vampire hunter. He says, you can't just do this for vengeance. This is about saving people like you from the from what happened to you. And mainly being a vampire hunter involves twirling an axe around, like yeah. a lot. Like, yeah, a, like a, you're a drumline type stuff. If you, if, it's like he's training him to hunt vampires in a parade. If you, when you're imagining this movie, imagining that if Abe Lincoln has a spare moment at all, he's twirling an axe around. And uh, as as Dan pointed out, we're given no reason to care about this character except that he's Abe Lincoln, mm-hmm. and we know that Abe Lincoln is a famous historical figure. Otherwise, it's, this guy is a bland cipher. Which is too bad, because he's played by Benjamin Walker, who I saw on stage during the off-Broadway run of Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson in New York, and he was really good as Andrew Jackson. And, it's a real, and maybe it's because... He was that was like a cartoony show, and he was allowed to like really be big and like wacky. But he did such a better job of creating a character out of a historical figure that was like lively and and interesting. And here he's just like, you might as well have just slapped a beard and a hat on a mannequin. Well, because because all, <laughs> all the wackiness comes through in like the special effects and the slow mo action scene. But it's not supposed to, to look acky, wacky. Like it's supposed to look really no. cool. The movie is. Uh, What's one of the problems with the movie is that it takes itself really seriously, or rather, it expects you to take it really seriously, but it doesn't put any effort into earning that seriousness. It's just kind of like, we'll just make it like a grim, serious vampire tale, mm-hmm. and or war shit, or whatever. They'll just buy it yeah. as long as everything's dark and shot in like golds and grays. It'll lo- people will take yeah. it seriously, you know. What's dark? Slavery. What else is dark? <laughs> Vampires. Wait, put them because- together. It's super dark. <laughs> <laughs> so he learns how to fight vampires with an axe, and then he's sure. following the steps of the real Abe Lincoln's life. He goes to Springfield, Illinois. Mm-hmm. He rooms with his best friend, Joshua Speed. Uh, yeah. He falls in love with Mary Todd. and yeah. uh, He meets Stephen Douglas, played by Alan Tudyk. He meets Stephen Douglas, who never really does anything after nope. that. <laughs> it's too bad. Like, well, you got an Alan Tudyk. You got to use At that shit. At least do a debate that. scene like they debated. It's a major moment in, in American history. Mm. Okay. Not as major as awesome axe fights versus vampires. And at the same time Lincoln is becoming Lincoln, he is at night. Henry is sending him letters saying, this dude's a vampire. Go off him. And he does. And he kills like six guys in this town. And no one seems to notice that like 
the pharmacist and the bank manager are all dying off one by one. The wounds all seem to be made by a tall man, <laughs> possibly one wearing a top hat. <laughs> <laughs> you see the way the, the axe marks go yeah. this way. From that, we can tell that he is a rail splitter. <laughs> there's just like a there's a steampunk uh, David Caruso who's putting on sunglasses <laughs> and like this uh this looks like the job of a rail splitter. Ow! Oh, another vampire killing. I guess it's a case of lies and tooth. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I don't know, David. No, that was okay, right? I mean, there's been a lot of these killings. So I don't have a lot of puns. They're calling him David Caruso. <laughs> yeah. The actor's name. Well, just the sound effect okay. calls him that. I don't know if that re- if that deserves an ow, David. Please, come on. I have a family. I need to support them. Right? Does he? In the memory of my ancestor, the great Enrico Caruso. So. You know, the opera singer. Anyway, so <laughs> he goes through the thing. He he marries Mary Todd. His old friend, uh, who, uh, who was who, his old black friend, comes back, grown up, and... Will Johnson. Will Johnson. And he saves him from some slave bounty hunters who are trying to drag him south. A lot of spinning, slapping the guns away. A lot of spinning, mm-hmm. slapping Wooshy guns shit. away. Eventually, Lincoln gets his revenge on the man who killed his mom in, I'm just going to say right now, the only scene I enjoyed in the entire movie. And that is because it is a fight between the two characters in the middle of a horse stampede, and they're fighting on the backs of horses. They're picking up horses and throwing them. And by the way, we should mention, Abe Lincoln has super strength because he has the power of truth. Uh, Henry, while teaching him, says, I want you to chop down that tree with one swing of your axe. And Abe Lincoln's like, I can't do that. (laughs) That tree, with this blast shield down, I can hardly see anything, let alone hit that tree. And uh, and Henry says... It gets him really mad, and eventually he does it out of truth rage or something like that. And because he's, he's so t- angry, Henry tells him he has the power of truth, and he's so mad he yeah. knocks the tree down. And it's one of those things like like Dark Knight Rises, where it's like, hey, if you want something bad enough, you get super strength. Yeah, of, of all the things that made me angry in the movie, this might have made me the angriest because Abraham Lincoln in this movie is basically a superhero, and we're given no explanation for all of his awesome fighting skills other than like. Man, he just wants it. He, he just, just wants, wants it, it a lot. Apparently, you know? he's awesome. I guess so. You would have hoped that he uh, like made love to a gypsy, and the gypsy gave him I, the powers. Or he has a magic amulet that he stole off a mummy. Or, I mean, it's just, or he got a magical tattoo from a dying shaman. As or like stands. a like a voodoo priest slave put a spell on him to make him the defender and the champion of the black people of America. Or he's the long lost descendant of Theseus. Or he's got like alien blood from a blood transfusion he got from an alien. <laughs> All like Abin Sir crashed his ship into. <laughs> Antebellum America and gave All Lincoln a bunch of Green Lantern whatever. Preferable as it is, it's like a copy of The Secret fell through a wormhole from our time back to Abe Lincoln's time, and it's just like that's, man, that's if crazy. I can, that's a crazy idea. If Come I can on, imagine it, let's get I can back have to it. the shaman spell Green Lantern mummy that gives <laughs> yeah. him his powers. Yeah, it's just like oh, I'm I've got the power of furiousness he's, he's like he's like, like mystery man <laughs> he's like, except for it actually works like he smashes through a fucking tree just because he cares so much and he punches I mean, he vampires in the face but he doesn't do it in one stroke i mean he takes him like seven swipes yeah but that's it's just the last one but, is awesome no but he that's because he was seeking the right trigger uh, yeah the final okay. trigger he found the, the power subliminal password that he embedded in abe lincoln's mind that gives him super strength <laughs> yeah Perfect. it's it's part of what i would call the something you see a lot on the internet which is the awesoming up of things mm-hmm. and I think I may have talked about this in the podcast before that like a friend of mine sent me a picture they found on the internet that was Abe Lincoln riding a bear holding a copy of the Emancipation Proclamation and like an M16 or some kind of automatic machine gun and it, they were like I bet you like this huh and I'm like I don't like that's you're, you're, yeah. you're, what you're basically saying to me is you don't be more awesome about Abraham Lincoln is if you rode a bear and had yeah. a machine gun no you're wrong <laughs> yeah. like it's when, more awesome that he Fought the actual uh, conditions of the time and overcame them. And that he did great things through enormous effort and against amazing obstacles and complications. Like, if he can just tap into his inner anger and punch a vampire to death, like, that's not as impressive as if he has to to try and work hard to get it. Like, with the Karate Kid, it'd be a lot dumber if Mr. Miyagi was just like, want it. Want it, mm-hmm. Daniel San. Okay, you're good. And then the movie was over and he just beat up everybody from that point on. Yeah, well, I mean, like, this is a problem that I've t- talked about too myself. Like, I feel like if everything's awesome, nothing is awesome. Yeah. Like, you have to have. Like Scott Pilgrim. What? 
Like Scott Pilgrim vs. <laughs> the World, that's some people's complaint of the movie is that. I mean, I like I mean, it. I too like that awesome. movie. I thought that was fun, but that's. I'm he's, just saying, but he's also a fictional character. Like you could make a fictional character fairly awesome, but it's like if. But you, also, I would I would argue that that's not the case. I mean, like that has different tones in it. Like I feel like too many movies now are pitched all at the same level, one hundred percent of the way it's through. At Eleven the entire time. Yeah. And you look at like a great movie like that I know both Elliot and I love, like the original taking of Pelham One Two Three. Like part of what makes that work is like it's grounding in some sort of reality. So the awesome parts are more awesome because it comes out of something. And it's awesome that Walter Matthau Walter Matthau is awesome because he's this kind of dopey guy who manages to do who's like crafty and does this stuff rather than being like a kick-ass fighter. Yeah, that sounds like pretty that. awesome. He's just kind of like shuffling <laughs> I mean, around. It would be awesome if Walter Matthau was a kick-ass fighter and maybe like Grumpy Old Men was called Grumpy Old Awesome Fighters. <laughs> and he like knew Drunken Style and taught yeah. a... He and drunken taught, Style's pretty awesome. Yeah. He and Jack Lemmon <laughs> kung fu fought for Anne Margaret. <laughs> for like two hours. Just the whole movie. That would be pretty great. It would be terrible. <laughs> That'd be a terrible movie. Uh, so... You were going to say something, Stuart? No, I was trying to get you back on track, you crazy guys. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, for some reason that I can't quite figure out what happened. Uh, oh, no. I, okay, I'll say. So there's this one lead villain vampire, because there's always one lead yeah, bad guy. guy from Dark City. Played by Rufus Sewell. Rufus uh, Sewell. Everyone's most forgettable Dripping Australian with charisma. actor. Who I will say again, English. like Ben... I think he's probably Australian. He's probably know. Austrian. <laughs> you know what? Let's just say he's Austro-hung- He's He's Australasian. How about that? Yeah. I mean, I, I I liked Dark City, and that's about it. I, I was gotta telling say, again, these probably, guys that I saw him on stage in London, and he was not very good. And I saw him on stage on Broadway in New York, and he was great. Really? He was in Tom Stoppard's Rock and Roll, and yeah. I thought he was really fantastic in it. And it's, again, like... To see, it's rare when you see this is a movie. The first I've heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. I didn't bring this up earlier. Conflict of interest. I saw him in a play once. And I liked it. This Tom Stoppard sounds like a made-up name to me. <laughs> Thomas Stopper. You put him in a bottle, and he makes things not pour out of it. Uh, it's it's weird to see a movie like this where it's a really dumb, stupid movie, mm-hmm. and you've seen both of the lead actors, the hero and the villain, in plays that you liked a lot well, and, and that they like, were good in. It's got a good supporting cast. I mean, like. Uh, Eh. I mean, I, look, I I I like what? Alan Tudyk. Yeah, he's who's awesome. barely in it. Who's wasted? <laughs> he's but barely he's in, the movie. in it. And uh, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead plays Mary Todd Lincoln, and I I like her. They don't give yeah, her much to do. do. I liked her in the aforementioned Scott Pilgrim. I liked her in Death Proof. Like I think that she is. She's a not gross looking. Actress. <laughs> she's not gross and looking. And I You're think right. she's cute. Yes, that's true. There, there it is. Mm-hmm. That's what I was reaching for. Yeah. You 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 like to think of me as Pervasoid number one, but the best I can say about her is I think she's cute. Yeah, maybe I that mean, says more about her than about you. Sure. Like, would you rather she's just, just prancing around in a thong slingshot bathing suit, Dan? <laughs> would I rather that? <laughs> is yes. that what you'd prefer? Would I rather that than watching Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter? Yes, that would be a great movie. That would movie. be not historically accurate. <laughs> that type of bathing suit was not invented till the 1880s. That would be filed Checkmate. under. <laughs> that'd be filed under goofs on the IMDb page. <laughs> goofs. Mary Todd spends <laughs> much of the movie spends much of the movie in a wicked weasel sling bathing suit. <laughs> costume mm-hmm. which was not invented in the 1860s fair enough <laughs> goofs abraham lincoln is played by a topless woman <laughs> goofs abraham lincoln is shown fighting vampires <laughs> when in reality he fought no vampires goof vampires don't really exist <laughs> that's what the imdv vampires want you to think continuity errors in this scene abraham lincoln is, fo- is seen fighting a vampire and in this scene he's seen not fighting a vampire <laughs> But that's not a continuity error. That's just different scenes, IMDb. So there's a point where he gets in a big fight with, like, the boss vamps. He gets invited to go to the boss vampire's house. Mm-hmm. And he goes there and sees a ball where, the, where vampires are just killing black people. And it turns out slavery is, I guess, some kind of plan by vampires to have people on hand that they can eat. Yeah, the idea is, like, you can just buy food, But I they guess. didn't seem to have any problem finding people to kill the past thousand yeah, years, it's, but uh, it's just a stupid way of making confederates into slaves. It's a very into vampires. It's a very elaborate metaphor to explain to us why slavery is bad, <laughs> which it seems like is the movie doing homework it doesn't need to do. <laughs> sure, <laughs> you know what movie? I'm ready. The vampire thing is a little hard to buy, but I'm ready to buy into the idea yeah, that slavery I'm is a bad thing. I'm on board with that already. You know what? I can. I think 
the year is 2012. Movie came out. It was the, is this year or last year? Uh, last year, I think. So 2011. I think so America was, is ready. Or early this year. <laughs> America's just ready to take Maybe it for February. granted that slavery is no good. Uh, yeah. Finally. But, <laughs> so it gets set up into this Abraham Lincoln versus Rufus Sewell battle of cat and mouse across mm-hmm. the decades. Because Abraham Lincoln said, there are other ways to kill vampires. I'll become president and stop <laughs> slavery, and that will stop the vampires. Yeah. Causing A much simpler way of going about it. Rather than killing all the vampires, <laughs> I'll merely, this is a plan that involves me, a, a backwoods country lawyer who also is a vampire hunter, becoming president <laughs> you know, of the United States. This reminds me of, like, you and I have talked about this. When we saw the uh, trailer for National, National Treasure Books of Secrets. National Treasure Book of Secrets, yeah. Where, National where it's Secrets, like, the Cinemax version. <laughs> where it's like, National Secrets, Book of Flesh. Oh, I need, to look at, I need to look at the President's Book of Secrets. And both of us, when we saw the trailer, thought like, oh, Nicolas Cage is going to become President. <laughs> he's going to run for President. <laughs> no, he's just going to kidnap the President. Yeah. Disappointing. Much yeah. less fun. Real So bummer. we get this super quick montage of Lincoln rising through the ranks of politics until there's literally old age makeup slowly applied. Shitty to old his age face. makeup. <laughs> the dumbest scene in the movie, which is him striding out to give, I guess, his inaugural address with stovepipe hat, full Lincoln beard, black suit, just slow motion walking towards the camera with this grim look in his face, and it looks like something out of a fucking like funnier die online video yeah. you know it's really lame anyway the civil war starts as it did in real life but this yep. time wait what <laughs> jefferson davis makes a deal with vampires that sounds like that ass wipe and vampire troops start fighting the, the northern union so at gettysburg i guess this is where they unveil them pickett's yeah. charge happens like we know it did the mm-hmm. pickett's charge is decimated by cannon shot and bullets and then they get back up. Oh no, the bullets didn't kill them, and they turn invisible, and then they rush the Union troops and kill them all. Ah, vampire soldiers, you can't kill them. So the yeah, the Union troops should have known something was up when uh, all the Confederate guys have fucking sunglasses on. <laughs> That's the other thing in this movie. Vampires can go out in the sun as long as they're wearing sunglasses and sun cream. Yeah, I mean, they all have a sun like ultraviolet is what you're saying. Basically, they have a sun lotion they can put on. You know. Mm-hmm. And we were wondering why the vampires even were at the battle at all. Why didn't they just show up at night and kill everybody when they can't yeah, see so Or why didn't they go to Washington and kill Lincoln? Like, what's the... Why bother to go through like, the motions? I don't understand. Like, this movie why. this movie has a, a, a Bratz-esque time gap in the middle where, like, Lincoln puts down his axe and becomes president. And picks up his 10-year <laughs> political career. <laughs> just like, wait a minute. Did the, did, the, did the vampires forget who Lincoln was in <laughs> they, between times? Rufus Sewell was, was very busy during that time. Right. He was like, I'm going a lot to, of things going on. We're going to yeah. take my music career. He had to, re- yeah. <laughs> he had to replenish his supply of, uh, of, like, you know, extras that are vampires. Yeah. I'm going to fi- I'm going to stop that Abraham Lincoln and take over the nation just as soon as I finish watch it, re- finish reading all of the Tolkien juvenilia I've never picked up. The Silmarillion. I, you know, I've had it on my shelf for years. It's finally time to sit down and read it. Mm-hmm. All the these complete stuff that- works of Dickens. <laughs> all right. Old Curiosity Shop, page one. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter reading, one, page one. If I read and it out read, loud, it's going to take him forever. <laughs> and I'll read aloud. Oh, my throat to is wait so for parched. <laughs> <laughs> okay, done with that. Now on to Little Dorrit. <laughs> <sighs> Paid by the word he was. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, he takes a long. He waits for Lincoln to get into position. But so what? It's this dumb thing where that's the problem with the movie is that. <laughs> the idea of the, that's oh, the problem. singular problem. One, well, many problems with the movie, but one of the problems with the story is that rather than letting the existence of vampires distort history in a way that you have the same historical figures, but their lives have changed because these vampires, they keep to the real historical record fairly closely in some ways. So, like, instead of vampires attack and Lincoln, instead of becoming president, like, leads an army or something like that, or. Lincoln is president, but that means the vampires attack the North and attack D.C. instead of going through the battles of Gettysburg and, you know, Vicksburg and stuff like that. They're like, well, the same stuff happened, but there were some vampires there. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, well, why would vampires bother doing that? Yeah, well, vampires did it. (laughs) I I can stretch my belief to accept that there's vampires, but what I can't stretch my belief is that U.S. history happened in the exact same fashion. With vampires there. Yeah. Well, it's similar to how, like, um... The uh, the books, like the Anno Dracula books that, who is it, Kim Newman, is that his name, wrote where it's like, 
history goes off on this other tangent because Dracula is real and he introduces vampires to the world. And there's some events that are similar, like World War One, but they don't have it exactly the same because there's vampires involved. But we're here, it's like, well, I guess if you introduced vampires into American history, it'd be pretty much the same. There's really no difference between a world with vampires and a world without vampires. It's pretty mm-hmm. much the same. Uh, if you introduced mummies, mer people, whatever the fuck, mer mummies, the same way. <laughs> those are underwater mummies. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the grossest mummies. <laughs> so it's so lit, like because the the wrappings just absorb water seaweed. and get really seaweed, disgusting. Seaweed wrappings. Oh, see a seaweed mummy as a mer mummy is a pretty good idea. Yeah, that's a great idea. I like that. A mer mermaid. Very, very good skin too. though. A mer like, mermaid wrapped in seaweed. Yeah, they just got they got great pores. It's delicious. Celebrities yeah. pay top dollar for that. <laughs> yeah. And for some reason, they still put cucumbers on their eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Lincoln comes up with an idea, literally. Then, oh, and also Lincoln's son is killed by a vampire. Uh, <laughs> that happened. His other, Bonus. it didn't. Ha- his Meanwhile. son did, and it's one of the things where, like, his one of his sons. Di- I mean, all of his children except one died before they reached adulthood. Two died during Lincoln's lifetime. One of them died while he was in the White House. So the movie says that's his only son. And, and as a Lincoln aficionado, you must have really loved that this movie made vampires out to be the culprit. <laughs> yeah, that. that made it. That made the his made for his the death so of, ironic, rather than just kids it was. Dying. It was so not tragic when his son just died of cholera. It was so much more tragic when a vampire vixen dressed as a maid did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then Mary, because Mary Todd can't shoot cholera with a sword from uh, a true. tiny sword from her son's toys, she can shoot a vampire vixen. Yeah, you're getting ahead of yourself. Though. There's, uh, yeah, well, there's not much more to go through. That's true. But Lincoln is literally. Lincoln realizes. Lincoln's think, like, oh, how am I going to stop these vampires? And he's eating with Mary Todd, and he's like, oh, and he's waving his fork around, and then he looks at the fork, and he goes, of course, this is what we need silver. And he's like, well, good thing he was eating fucking dinner when he was talking about it, or he never would have remembered that silver kills vampires, even though his axe has silver on it, yeah, and that's how he kills vampires. He's a professional with it. vampire killer. Like, he wrote it down in his journal. He could just read that any time. Oh, that's right. The whole time his resume like, reads "Rail Splitter, Vampire Killer, President." <laughs> <laughs> like you should have recalled that from his skills. Not a lot a of breaks. In, not a lot of breaks in that uh, that job <laughs> no, history. No, well, either. you never want to see too many empty spaces in a resume. <laughs> Special skills. See above. Vampire hunting. Objectives. Vengeance. Ridding world of vampires. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in five years? Have with a beard. <laughs> Proficient in vampire killing. <laughs> and Microsoft Excel. <laughs> yeah. So they take all the silver in the country and melt it down. And in the <laughs> dumbest ploy, they Lincoln and his friend Joshua Speed and his friend, his other friend, his name Will Johnson, Will Johnson, staff a train just the three of them and decide they're going to, I guess, ride it to the south. Yeah. This train full of silver bullets. I guess hoping they run over some vampires on the way. <laughs> And no, they'll ride it into the reactor in the south, and it'll explode, <laughs> spitting hot spitting silver, silver everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> into the reactor. <laughs> the one that powers the slaves, you know? Yeah, it's in, uh, I don't know. Because once they blow up the reactor, all the slaves will power down, and the south will be defenseless. <laughs> uh, I mean, you think it's full of silver, but it's a decoy. Well, it's first, decoy, it's, a, it's really. attacked by a ton of vampires. It looks Shitloads. like Joshua Speed, his best friend, who he literally shared a bed with, but not in a gay way. Or may have been. Uh, All the stuntmen in the I mean, sky you know. were there. <laughs> it looks like he betra- looks like he betrayed them, and a ton uh-huh. of vampires are jumping on the train. And we learned the thing, what we learned with the movie Legion, which is that I guess when it's one person against one monster, it's very hard to kill that monster. When it's one person against dozens of monsters, they just fall like flies. And like mm-hmm. most of them fall for the same trick. Like they just run right into his axe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's that thing where he spins his axe around and they just fall down dead. They, every time they don't see his axe, they assume he's dropped it or maybe they, maybe they made up the fact that he had an axe and they imagined that. Nope, axe to the face. I would think after a while they'd start carrying axes or something, but or, none of them use or weapons. Or guns. Like, well, it's the same thing as in like, I, in so many things where it's like vampires only use their teeth and their claws, yeah. but like, just pick up a gun, guys. Like, Abe, Abe Lincoln's a regular well, guy. Like a you could spear. just You know what ended up killing Abraham Lincoln? A bullet in the head. Like, yeah. spoiler he, alert. He did, spoiler alert for history. You <laughs> <laughs> don't need any magic. And Will Johnson, his friend, is taking out tons of vampires, yeah. too. It turns out you just need to be a dude turns to take out, out vampires. Fang's a very close-range weapon. 
that's true. Yeah. What kind of dice would you roll for that, Stuart? Uh, for a fang? Yeah. Uh, what's the size category of the vampire? Uh, regular. <laughs> okay, that's only a, four, a four-sided die. Okay, so... So that's barely nothing. Barely anything. No, not, not going to do much damage. So Rufus Sewell gets them. They're on a bridge that's on fire. The train is falling down, and Rufus Sewell is like, Flames Aha! Everywhere. I've got you, Lincoln! I've got you! And then he finds the train is just full of rocks. Joshua Speed snookered them. Mm-hmm. It turns out in should've, a in a should have pl- known from that giant fake beard he was wearing the whole time. <laughs> <In> a, <laughs> the a, fakest beard you've ever seen. Let's take a note to to point out that this movie has the fakest beards you've ever seen in a yeah. movie. I think People the beard- just dip their chin in glue <laughs> and then and just then- rub their face against a yak. Like <laughs> I think the beard budget for this movie must have been like. Ten bucks. They leave the extra glue on their face to make them look all old and wrinkly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it dries on there like old skin. <laughs> they stretch their face and they use a like one of those air air. Uh, there's hair dryers to to stretch it out. That's, that's a perfect. That's a yeah, whatever trick. you're saying. Anyway, yeah. so it's in a ploy stolen directly from the movie The Road Warrior. Uh, yeah. This train was a decoy. There was only rocks on it for weight, I guess. And mm. meanwhile. How's the how's the silver bullets getting to the uh, getting to the soldiers in the well, south? Well, there was a different there was a different railroad during that time, which Elliot. is what Explain. they say. Because it turns out Mary Todd has been leading the underground railroad, and all these freed slaves, I guess, came up to the right, north and then right, got right, silver right, bullets, right. And then brought them back to the south. Mm-hmm. It the geography doesn't really work out for why the underground railroad would be an efficient way to carry bullets, especially <laughs> a since plan fiendishly <laughs> simple and it's an intricacy. I wish that they had just gone. There's more than one railroad in the United States, and Lincoln could have said, "Yeah, we have a huge advantage over the South in just the number of railroads and the miles of track we've laid. We have more than one." One train, and then just cut to another train zooms by them, <laughs> and Rufus Sewell shakes his hand at it and goes, "Ooh, infrastructure! <laughs> infrastructure! You got me again. We vampires know nothing of planning, <laughs> uh, physical plants development, but uh, anyway. So the the freed slaves have smuggled silver bullets to the Union soldiers. They shoot all the sunglasses wearing vampire Johnny Rebs, and and Lincoln kills Rufus Sewell. By literally wrapping the chain of a go- of a silver pocket watch around his hand, and then just punching him so hard his heart comes out. Yeah, he <laughs> says, uh, "Give me your silver," and he goes, "Okay, right here," and punches and kills him with it. Yeah, and then uh, is this the train is like stumbling along the tracks? Maybe this is right before, and Will Johnson and Lincoln might as well have been going whoa, 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 whoa as they're like running across a train no, to get off. It is like. It enters lethal weapon territory here, where it's it's like uh, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover just like uh like okay on three we jump one two three jump explosion no, goes off I'm getting too old for this like squeal. this is this is beyond Looney Tunes level of zaniness like there's like you got Rufus Sewell like like there's a flaming train <laughs> there's flaming uh it's a flaming bridge holding up the train Rufus Sewell is going. Down below, like kicking out flaming struts. Yeah, it is like, like a Sam and then, <laughs> not putting a lot of effort into it. Well, and he's then depressed. Lincoln yeah. is on top of the train, going whoa, 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 and then he like leaps off of one train car and then onto another train car, which is like skidding and like and shooting this... out sparks. And then there's a point where they're like <laughs> they're balancing like on a balance beam, a flaming balance beam that they're walking across, and, and whereas... it is the craziest fucking thing. But I've it's ever crazy seen. in a really dumb way. Unlike yeah. unlike the fight between Lincoln and the man. Man who killed his mother, where they're running across the backs of stampeding horses. Flipping horses which at each other. And I'm shit. just going to go out on a limb and say I enjoyed that scene a lot and I thought it was fun. This train scene I mean, was is a not short, fun. If it was a short film, I would enjoy it. Yeah, if it was a short film called Lincoln Fights the <laughs> Vampire with Some Horses. <laughs> but, I uh, love that. I think that was one of Thomas Edison's first films. <laughs> Went the sneeze, the kiss, and then Lincoln <laughs> fighting a vampire with some horses, and then a trip to the moon. Uh, I know that wasn't really an Edison film. Don't write in, everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. So they saved. Still, the, still an early example of film art. They saved the nation from vampires, and it turned out earlier that Henry, Lincoln's mentor, is a vampire who was made a reluctant vampire and is turned against the vampire kind to help save them by teaching people to become vampire hunters because vampires can't kill other vampires for some stupid made-up reason. And so he says to Abe Lincoln, Abe Lincoln literally finishes writing the story in his journal, and then we won the war. The end, Uh question mark, or was it? And Henry goes, Abe, let me make you a vampire so we can fight for humanity forever. And he says Mm -hmm. something like, there are more threats out there than vampires, which is like, 
So is this going to be yeah, like no, Abe Lincoln? Like, like, there's other ways to be immortal than that. Well, he than, says that, but Henry says there's more yeah. threats. And you think like Abe Lincoln Minotaur Hunter, <laughs> Abe Lincoln Harpy Hunter, Chupacabra Abe Lincoln hunter. Chupacabra Hunter, Abe Lincoln Daikaiju Hunter, mm-hmm. you know. All but, these uh, options. Instead, he goes, no, no, there's other ways to be immortal, by which he means history, I guess. Mm. And his wife says, because we know it's the end of an Abe Lincoln movie, Mary Todd has to say the thing that she's going to say at the end of Lincoln movies. Abe, we're going to be late for the theater. And These tickets are non-refundable. <laughs> we're seeing our American cousin at Ford's Theater, you know, in the box. And John Wilkes Booth might stop by to pull a bullet, put a bullet in your brain. <laughs> And then you'll die. Okay, Abe, so hurry up. I'll be right there, Mary. I'll be right there. Have you seen my hat? Where's my hat? And then he goes off to the theater. I can't be shot without a hat. (laughs) He goes off to the theater for the, in what is my opinion, one of the most tragic moments in American history. And just to be honest emotionally here for a moment, I read a lot of books about Lincoln, and every time I get up to that point, there's part of me that wants to, like, reach into the book and pull him out so that he can't get shot. It makes me really sad. Anyway. That's maybe the sweetest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) And really? I mean that honestly. Really? Oh, it just makes me cry every time. But anyway, uh, and it happened in real life, so it's okay to cry about it. It's not like when I cry at the yeah. Iron Giant where it's a cartoon. Mm-hmm. But, uh, You're like, oh, that Iron Giant. Look at it. His head is rolling through the Arctic and screws well, are no, coming. At that point, I cry out of enjoy. Yeah, Because yeah, he's exactly. going to be back. But when he says, when he hears the boy, when he see, hears Hogarth saying, you are who you choose to be, and he says Superman and then sacrifices his life no, but, for but, humanity, you know, that's also makes me cry. Dude. That's a different kind of joy. Like, I... Both of them are like crying. Well, I don't cry for joy for that. I cry out of sadness. No, but you're but 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 you're crying for. Wait, are you saying you're crying from joy when Lincoln gets shot? No, I cry for sadness when Lincoln gets shot. But but you're crying for sacrifice there. You're crying for someone doing something. that is great. It's like a Dark Knight Rises thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. To to also be sort of serious, like who you choose to be, Bruce Wayne. (laughs) To also be sort of serious, I remember reading. I think it was Roger Ebert who said something like. The older he got, like the more he cried, not at things that were sad, but he cried when people behaved very well. Oh, well, that's not what I do. You know, like I just like the idea, like I think that as you grow older, you realize like how infrequently like things turn out for the best and how valuable it is when someone uh, like is is truly selfless. Hmm, that's really know? depressing. And, and that's no, but that's but but that's more moving to you than like. Oh, like this depressing thing happened. Like you learn to deal with depressing things, but you are truly moved by it. That's bread and butter. Do something. That's an interesting point. Maybe, but anyway, the point is Lincoln's going to die. The point is this is a comedy podcast, so (laughs) let's 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 talk about the times we cry, guys. (laughs) This one time I was listening to "Wish You Were Here." Oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this one time I was just listening to the Aerosmith album "Just Press Play," and uh, (laughs) this one time I was cutting onions and guys. Oh boy! Boy, were you crying out of joy? Yeah. Anyway, because <laughs> 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 fucking think, onions, <laughs> kill, kill. Anyway, so Lincoln goes and dies, and then we hear his narration. Goes of, and dies. <laughs> he does. <laughs> we hear his narration about how history will not know about the truth about him, and we go to the present day, and suddenly we're in a bar. This is a similar bar to where Henry met Lincoln, and uh oh, Henry's about to meet. Another oh, person in the modern time, mm-hmm. another vampire hunter, I guess, and maybe, Probably. just maybe, another president of the United States of America. Credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is a. It's a movie. It's a that, cycle. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. This is a movie that takes that uh, takes itself very seriously. It's like Cowboys and Aliens, where it seems to refuse to admit that this is a goofy premise that it's dealing with, and but rather than try to earn that seriousness. It just kind of takes it for granted that the audience is with it, and it is wrong to take it for granted because we're not. It's really stupid. Well, it's a it's a movie that seems to have forgotten that it's selling itself on the fact that it's mashing up two things in the title. For yeah, people like a title that people are going to read and be like, huh, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> sounds goofy. Why is awesome. this? Why is this so somber?" And it's not a well made movie. Like it's really flashy, but like. In a bat, in a distracting way, it moves too fast. The carrot, we don't know the characters. The special effects look fakey. Everything's shot in the same like bland, one color at a time style. You know, it w- and it was originally three D. Maybe yes, no, I don't know. I feel like everything's originally three D now. Yeah, I mean, it originally was before it was caught on camera. <laughs> <laughs> Turned into a two dimensional film image. <laughs> 
But it's one of those. Fun fact. I, I, when this book first came out, it really bugged me. Because um, like I was saying earlier, the awesoming up of Lincoln seems unnecessary to me. Like Abe Lincoln is not made cooler by making him a kick-ass vampire kung fu fighter. It's he what he did was so amazing, and he's such an amazing person that it kind of detracts from him to turn him into an action figure. But the movie is so dumb and so like not good that it's hard for me to be mad at it. It would be like being mad at like a dog that keeps bumping into a wall for getting the wall dirty. Like there's obviously a problem with that dog. Let, let's let's be let's have pity on it rather than hating it. Sure. <laughs> So you're saying if the movie had just stuck with Abraham Lincoln as a kung fu fighting president, you would have been okay? No. You didn't need the vampires. No. What I'm saying is let's let's just make a movie about Abraham Lincoln for himself. We'll call it Lincoln. We'll have John Williams write the shittiest score he's ever written. Mm. And Daniel Day-Lewis will be in it and everyone will overpraise his performance. But overall, it'll be a good, enjoyable movie. What if they just made a movie about a kung fu fighting vampire hunter who just ironically, because it... You know, it's pretty ironic, but he had the same name as the president. That would be fine with me. He's called Abraham Lincoln. He doesn't like it because people make jokes about his name all the time. Yeah, and he's a, like a like a horrible liar. And he's also really short. That's the thing. People expect a tall guy when they hear Abraham Lincoln, but he's actually quite short, mm-hmm. like Puck from Alpha Flight. Yeah, but he has the same beard. It's well, I think, just but, an, yeah, same thing, beard, yeah. same hat. Uh, <laughs> And and he's played by Peter Dinklage. Let's just get that out there. He has to be. It's set twenty years in the future uh, from now. Yeah. So everybody drives year, space cars in the year twenty thirty two. Everyone drives space cars. No, Slavery wait, wait, wait. has been over for a long time. No space cars. Scratch that. They all fly around in rocket boots. <laughs> cars have been destroyed. And kung fu has been forgotten. And so he has to rediscover some ancient scrolls of kung fu to fight vampires who, in this future, don't bite people. They bite computers. <laughs> They bite computers with their electro teeth and suck money out of them. Uh, we call it Midget Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> Robo Vampire Killer with Rocket Boots in the 23rd century. It's because they changed the century numbering system 10 years from now. Uh, <laughs> I hate to interrupt your pitch, but we're running long, so let's uh, go to our final judgments. This is a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked. Elliot, what do you think? Bad, bad movie, but if you can go up on YouTube and see the horse fighting scene, I'd recommend that scene. Uh, I would say that this is a bad, bad movie. I actually kind of hated this movie. This movie made me angry just because, like, this is... They put no effort into making you care about any of the the characters, and it is, as I said, the problem of, like, let's make everything awesome, and it is awesome in the most surface, irritating, uh, unsatisfying way that you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, it's a bad, bad movie. Uh, I thought things were looking up when there was a topless dead prostitute, but uh, <laughs> you turned were out that was yeah, that was just the so the high point of the movie moment. for Stewart was the brief shot of a topless dead prostitute. And there was a I thought it we might've... don't even know that she's a prostitute by the way. It's just a woman <laughs> who's dead and topless. And I thought I was looking up later on when uh, the the hero Abraham Lincoln gets saved by his friend uh, who's riding a horse drawn carriage who drives it through a house window I guess <laughs> and then like and then skids on some blood <laughs> skids on skids some blood sideways and uh, and and knocks the vampire uh, the vampire rest who's sitting on top of him uh, yeah it's awesome so so bad bad movie Dan yeah. mailbag uh, before before oh, we move on to the mailbag uh, just on behalf of all Plug things comedy. Our comedy collective uh, friends, I want to say that uh, Tom Segura is doing an hour-long comedy special December the 4th at Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank. One day after my birthday. Go to Burbank and celebrate my birthday over there. If you want to be on the guest list for said show, if you are in the Burbank area, email Tom at Tom S-E-G-U-R-A at me.com. That's all one word? Yes. With how many tickets you want, and write December fourth in the subject line, and there you go. Uh, and uh, just on the note of um, other podcasts on the network, I would uh, say, why don't folks uh, check out Many Van Men with our friend Al Madrigal, or as uh, fans of the show might know him, Owl Madrigal, <laughs> aka Owl Magical. I don't yeah. know where they would have gotten that idea. <laughs> um, Many Van Men. Rated R. <laughs> uh, but now uh, let's move on to the Flophouse movie mailbag. 
We don't have time for a song, so I'll just sing one later in your dreams. Uh, this one is from Haral, last name withheld. He says, uh, Dear Flophouse and Cat, I'm just writing to... I don't know which cat he's talking about. (laughs) Well, we're all a bunch of cool cats. I'm just writing to express my appreciation to the Flop crew and Cat for helping ease a recent transatlantic flight I had. For some reason, the stewardesses were giving away free booze, and the man sitting next to me immediately chugged half a dozen beers... At which point the the stewardesses, seeing his seat back pouch bulging with crushed cans, cut him off. <laughs> then spent the eight hours alternating between haranguing me about the importance of backing up digital files and complaining that the stewardesses wouldn't give him more Coors Light. I gotta say, sorry, wait, dude. <laughs> yeah, who is why next to steward? <laughs> I gotta say, as far as belligerent drunks to deal with, just telling you to back up your files is a, is a pretty best case scenario. <laughs> Uh, he kept talking to me even when I pretended to sleep, and the only movies available were Battleship and 1,000 Words. Ooh. Luckily, I had your podcast on, uh, on the same movies and was thus able to escape into a magical world of flop cats and words that sound like other words until the plane landed. Thanks again. Uh, that's from Haral. Last name. Thank you very much for listening and writing in. We're glad we could help make that unpleasant situation a little less unpleasant. It seems strange, though, if they're giving out free booze that this guy uh, got tanked on Coors Light, which is a lighter beer. <laughs> You'd think he would be drinking liquor. He did have like six liquor. of them, it sounds like. That's still not enough. Oh, really? I think it's weird that he, they just kept giving him cans and he would just <laughs> shove them into the, <laughs> into the pocket. Like, that's a lot. That's a lot of cans to yeah, shove Yeah, like you're pocket. stuffing them under a rug or something. <laughs> Dan? Uh, this uh, next email is from Danny. Of the Thor's House of Thunder podcast, he says. Oh, the, uh, it's a Norse podcast. Yeah, he says, Dear Stuart, Dan, and Elliot, in I'm order of how sound. tall yeah, you they sound. they saved the best for last. Oh, wait, wait. tall we sound. Accurate. And I'm last? Yeah, no, that's, yeah. But I've got, the t- I've got the, I've got the, <laughs> I've got the voice of a man nope. ten times my nope. height. <laughs> no, it doesn't work, sorry. They uh, call me giant voice. <laughs> Hello, down there. Danny says, my roommate happens to own a copy of Invisible Maniac. Lucky you. I finally got around (laughs) to watching it. I found it as awesomely ridiculous as Stuart had made it out to be, and as full of gratuitous nudity as Dan had described. (laughs) The one thing neither of you had prepared me for, however, was how incredibly low the production values were. While this just added to the charm, I'm still wrapping my head around why that video box cover photo shoot looks like it must have cost more to produce than the entire film. I asked my roommate why he owned this film, and he explained that he was walking down the street one day and came <laughs> upon a cardboard box full of VHX tapes, including this one, which seems to be the most proper way to come into possession of this film. Cheers, Danny. P.S. I'd like to request Elliot make up even longer songs for the mailbag. <laughs> Those are great, especially because of Dan's exasperated reactions. Yeah, it's a two-man bit. Uh, we don't have time this time, but next time... I'll make sure I do an extra long one, like the Inagata DeVita of mailbag songs. Or the, yeah. you know what? The thick as a brick of mailbag songs, both sides. Yeah, I'm, uh, I, every day I go walking down the street, I hope that I'm going to pass <laughs> a cardboard box with a copy, a VHS copy of Invisible Maniac in it. But I I want a, Looks uh, like he stole your dream. He Danny did, yeah. stole your dream. Danny's roommate stole my dream. Danny's roommate stole your dream. I want a DVD copy of Invisible Maniac, but they would have to issue one. Sure, I would like would a, a fucking Blu-ray version. But. <laughs> you know what? I'd like a holodeck adventure where you can be the Invisible Maniac. <laughs> and shoot him with a Tommy gun. <laughs> You're Sherlock Holmes in the gangster era. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, this is from John, last name withheld. He says, I'm just going to assume it's Juan, John Juan. It's titled DeMarco. <laughs> Instant Humility. Hey, Flophouse, you guys are great. Hey, thanks. thanks. My wife and I are big fans, and I've learned a bit about cinematography by listening to your podcast. I don't understand that. Yeah. I don't know. Mostly we just say things look boring. Uh, everyone is allowed to have artists on their playlist they're a bit ashamed of liking. Mine is Alanis Morissette. What movies do each of you like but are slightly ashamed of liking? I don't mean the ones you know are bad and revel in liking, but the ones you feel slightly uncomfortable admitting you actually really unironically respected. Oh, respected. Because I was like... R-O-C-K in the USA, says John. (laughs) I'm glad he signed off the proper way. R-O-C-K in the USA to you too, my friend. (laughs) 
Uh, I mean, it, the movies I'm most embarrassed about liking are like, you know, Cinemax bikini movies, I guess, but that doesn't seem to be what he's asking. No, he thinks I, the ones that you actually like but have a slight twinge. You're not just dismay. watching for the boners. Oh, okay. Just a heart boner, maybe, or a brain boner. <laughs> I've got one. I uh, Brain boners with John Turturro? <laughs> I've got one that I, I'll, I, I will admit that I, I came into possession of a Best Buy gift certificate recently. And I spent part of it uh, purchasing a Blu-ray of Neil Marshall's Doomsday, a film that I enjoy much more than I feel like the general public does. The general public thinks of it as kind of a weird... But there's uh, no shame in that. John Carpenter uh, trashy knockoff, whereas I'm like, hey, a John Carpenter trashy knockoff. And uh, I enjoy that movie quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, as somebody who also owns Doomsday, <laughs> uh, I mean, I appreciate it for Rona Mitra's ass and pants, mm-hmm. which the trailer uh, suggested. Yeah, <laughs> suggested. <laughs> suggested. It's see a woman's ass fully clothed. A, a subtle, it, it, a subtle it, it, whisper. It showed her from the front and pants, and the narration said, "Want to guess what's on the other side? You'll More find pants. out in Doomsday. <laughs> see the back of this." <laughs> Oh, man, it's tough. Like, I'm sure if I went through my DVD collection, there'd be a bunch of movies in there that I'd be slightly embarrassed by owning. There'd be, yeah, I have to assume I have something like that. But, like, it's hard for me to think of a movie that I'm embarrassed about liking a little bit because I'm willing to. Because you have no shame. Well, kind of. When it comes to movies, like, if I like something, I like it. And I if uh, maybe I'll defend it, be, feel defensive if other people are attacking it. But, like... There's no there. It's hard for me to think of a movie that's like a real what they would call a guilty pleasure, where like I feel guilty when I watch it or anything. No, no, but I I have movies that because even if I watch trash and I enjoy it, like it's still no. There's there's a difference between like guilty pleasure and I have movies where I actually think that this is legitimately like a movie that is worthy of enjoyment, but other people don't agree with me, and and I'm on the defensive a little bit about it. Hmm. Like another, I mean, one, I love In the Mouth of Madness. So that's kind of that right. situation. That's true. Another one that like uh, comes to my mind is uh, I <laughs> I have in my DVD collection Shanghai Nights. Yeah, that's true. You do. Okay, there that fits that. People are big fans. Like people, like it's it's weird. People really like Shanghai Noon, but for whatever reason, they're like Shanghai Nights. I don't know. Whereas I'm like, no, I really enjoy that movie. I think that is the feel-good comedy of 2002. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you on that one. Yeah, I don't remember any 2002 comedies. Uh, uh, I guess at the end, you know, like they're like you got, uh, okay, got Owen Wilson and and uh, and uh, Jackie Chan fighting Tommy Carcetti. Come on, and Big Ben. What's wrong with that? They're fighting a guy named Big Ben. <laughs> He's they're a big fighting, guy named Ben. They're fighting the guy who played Tommy Carcetti in The Wire. In Wait, Big they're ben. inside oh, okay. the bell? Because Big Ben is the name of the bell, All not right. the clock. <laughs> the fucking Victor- Victoria Tower, whatever it's called now. It's called uh, the Elizabeth Tower. Yeah. Because they named it after the current queen. Stu Rat, yeah. what were we going to say? I, yeah, I, I was just saying, like, I I mean, I, I, I bought Hot Tub Time Machine, mainly because it reminds maybe. me of ski, uh, of ski Patrol and Ski School. I guess I would say, like... Maybe like old movies that are kind of that are pretty racist, but I still enjoy them. So like, there's an Edward G. Robinson movie called The Hatchet Man, mm-hmm. where he is a Chinese assassin for a Tong, and every character, every background character is a real Asian person, and every main character is obviously a white person in yellowface, and like, it's pretty objectively racist, but like, I still enjoy it as. Mm-hmm. Like a film noir set in a different, not a film noir, but like a melodrama set in a different setting than normal. And Edward G. Robinson is good in it, you know. Or a day at the races where they have a a, a, a set piece called "All God's Children Got Rhythm." It's that's such a terrible scene, though. <laughs> like you could take that out of the movie and it would make it a better movie. Not even because of the racism, just because it makes no sense. The idea that Harpo is this magic sprite that makes black people dance, you know, is and the Marx Brothers put blackface on for like. Two seconds, and yeah. they wipe it off as quick as possible. Like you know that they were like, "This is not cool." Yeah. They did it anyway. Uh, last letter. So I'd say the Hatchet Man. <laughs> last letter of the evening tonight. Um, I don't know why I'm saying the evening tonight because you could be listening to this podcast at any time. Maybe you listen to it at lunch. That's you should listen to it's it at eight a.m. You should really listen to it tonight because it's sexier at night. Yeah. Awesome. 
<laughs> this, this is the calls. awesome episode. Okay, so yeah. next if awesome letter. If this was a Space Ghost episode, it, the title would be awesome. <laughs> this is called Some Quick Thoughts, and it's from David Elliott's brother, last name with hell. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> <And he> says, <laughs> who, who will save me from this turbulent brother? <laughs> he says, howdy, floppers. I know I was. Specific- it's, I feel like he is officially our arch nemesis now. And then when he says "Howdy, floppers," it's like the Joker just sent a recording to Commissioner Gordon's office. Yeah, like, Hello, Commissioner. Perhaps we'll play a little Hello, game bats. today. Like you're reading Howdy this bats. letter. Like yeah. the letter's written in blood or something. Yeah, yeah. it has an ear in it. Yeah. <laughs> says, howdy, floppers. I know I was specifically told not to write in. How did I get into your system? Perhaps you're wondering. (laughs) I was told not to write in about the Pittsburgh Pirates. Please don't. But if you leave a piece of bait hanging on the hook like that, of course I'm going to nibble. I'll keep it short, though. There is no nickname whatsoever for the Pirates fan base that I'm aware of in any way. I will say, however, that PNC Park, the Pirates' home stadium, is my absolute favorite ballpark that I've been to in the majors. (laughs) The statues Elliot mentioned are actually pretty impressive, particularly the one beyond left field of Roberto Clemente. I agree, though, that it would have been pretty awesome if the statues had come to life in the movie (laughs) because one of the statues is just a cast of Hall of Famer Ralph Kinnear's hands holding a baseball bat. And it's the silliest statue I've ever seen in a major league park. And I've seen a lot of them. Yeah, his, his dream is to go to see every major league sports team in its home stadium. So I'm very curious as to what would have happened if a random pair of hands had come to life. Would they have caused a ruckus with that baseball bat and been able to move around independently? <laughs> I mean, I a lot of thing from the Adams family? Or would they have just laid on the concrete bleeding like an actual chopped <laughs> off hands would? In addition... <laughs> I was excited. In addition. <laughs> I was excited by the discussion of fictional movies we would all want to see. Though I was disappointed that not only El- that Elliot picked a movie that only he would pick for obvious reasons, but that you did not mention my first choice, or at least not directly. You did bring up several of the movies Troy, Troy McClure starred in on The Simpsons. However, my personal choice would have been Leper in the Backfield. <laughs> they show you a little clip of that. He catches the ball and then yeah. his arm falls off. In real life, that movie would have been rife with possibilities, says David Kalen, last name with him. <laughs> so is David like a co-host now? What is, what's the deal? I don't understand. He's answering it's letters that other people corrector. wrote in. <laughs> He's the corrector, but then he took part in a little bit of like a bit that someone else asked us. He is the corrector. I didn't realize that. All this time, I thought the corrector, but what Elliot doesn't know is the corrector is actually his brother, David. Yeah, you're, you're like twins. His long-lost brother. You're like those stupid twin... Superheroes we talked about before where they need I don't remember. Which one is that? I don't fucking know. Fafner? <laughs> I don't know, like North Star and the other And other Aurora? One? Yeah. No, but guys. they don't need each other, I don't think. Well, maybe I think they, do. they do. So Well, thanks, Dave, for writing in uh, if only for the image of two hands suddenly coming to life and just bleeding out. <laughs> that would be horrific. <laughs> Yeah, you got the people coming out who normally put the tarp over the field. They're just putting a tarp over these big bloody hands. So wait, when they came to life, they'd like be like flesh and blood, or were they going to be like the the brass? I or imagined the fuck it being like of? like yeah, like they're just living statues. They don't come to flesh and blood life because then you'd have these baseball players being like, "Where am I? How did I get here?" <laughs> or maybe they're just like they've just been born and they have the uh, the bodies of adult baseball players but the minds of babies, you know, or something, and they're just pooping all over themselves. <laughs> but I I assumed it was like, you know, like clockwork statues or something like that, you know, sure. like golems. They'd yeah, be baseball well, golems. Like and the fantasy there, sequences from Heavenly Creatures. Exactly. And there's your movie to pitch. Baseball Golem. Is it an adaptation of James Sturm's comic, The Golem's Mighty Swing? No. There was no real golem in that story. This would be a real golem who plays baseball modern day. Sure. They find the golem of Prague. And he's, he's out, defending, a, defending a ghetto by playing baseball? Yes, exactly. <laughs> They're going to shut the ghetto down if it doesn't win this charity baseball game and build a condo on it. <laughs> Also, it's a bikini ghetto. <laughs> it's called Bikini Ghetto. Bikini Ghetto meets the baseball golem. And can I be the evil land developer finally? You've got to be. The evil land developing strangler? You've got to be. And Mickey Rourke plays the golem. All right. So, guys, quickly, uh, before we go, let's uh, going? briefly recommend some movies that we saw recently, or not so recently, that we actually liked uh, as a antidote to Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. I like you brought that up as if you just came up with that idea, even though it's something we do every every episode. 
Uh, Stuart, do you have a recommendation you'd like to put forth to Flophouse Nation? Fine. Uh, yeah, no, I'll recommend. I recently watched the Australian torture porn movie, uh, The Loved Ones. Um, and unlike a lot of, uh, it's a little bit, uh, flashier. The, uh, cinematography is better than a lot of that type of stuff. The soundtrack is more interesting. Um, and it's quite beautiful and horrific at the same time. So yeah, watch it's, it. It's pretty gross. It makes you want to barf. And it's not the sixties movie, the loved one. Yeah. No, it's the loved ones. Cause there's multiples and it's not the English sitcom, the young ones. No, it's definitely not that. And it's not the comic love is. It I, it might be. And it's not the TV show Love American style. It it could, it could be. And it's not the sixties movie Divorce Italian style. It it probably is. <laughs> okay, then I think we figured it, it out. Is. So Stuart recommends Divorce Italian style. It's right. gross, and there's a lot of torture in it. So I would like to recommend, and I think that Stuart maybe recommended this already. I don't know, but who cares? I'm I gonna don't recommend. Care. The Raid colon Redemption. I think somebody rec- – well, maybe they didn't. Actually. The Indonesian uh, well, martial arts film. crazy not to. <laughs> uh, if you want to see a movie where a guy punches his way the through Welsh, an entire building. <laughs> the Welsh-directed Indonesian kung Was it Welsh-directed? Yeah, the director is Welsh, I believe. All right. But it takes place in Jakarta. Uh, you want to see a movie where a guy punches his way through an entire building <laughs> – then this is the movie for you. Yeah. Uh, it, it is kind of funny, by the way, when you're talking about punches his way through a building, I realized like, there's, there comes a point in the middle of the movie where people stop shooting at each other and they start punching each other. And I'm like, I'm not sure why this switchover <laughs> happened. Like, why both sides agreed and, to, to put the guns down and, and honestly, start there fighting comes, kung fu style. It comes a part about two-thirds of the, way, the movie where you're like, wow, they're really still punching each other, huh? <laughs> it's really still punching. There's one fight scene in particular where it's two guys on one guy that goes on an amazingly long yeah. time. That, but, was, that was the part your wife liked the best, right? Yeah, she didn't watch the movie with me. <laughs> I think the part she liked best was oh. that she didn't have to watch so, it. Speaking of wives, though, like I was enjoying this movie, but I think that my wife enjoyed it almost as much hearing me react to the movie <laughs> from the other room because there was a lot of like, ah, ooh, oh my god, oh my, oh god. So you really orgasmed over this movie, <laughs> yeah. huh? Well, there's like there were some horrible things that he gives it two in this orgasms, film. and there's a there's one scene in particular that has a suspense moment that I've never seen in a movie before. Uh, that I'm not going to say much about, but involves a machete. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> All the best moments in a movie involve machetes, duh. Yeah. Except the movie Machete, which is weird. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Well, if you part. like things that are awesome, the Raid, Raid, the Raid colon Redemption is for you. It's an awesome movie, and it's got raids and redemptions. <laughs> uh, I'm going to recommend two things, a movie and a non-movie book. What? Uh but don't worry, the book's about movies. It's just not a uh, movie. Fine. Uh, the movie is one that I watched recently uh, that's, hey, surprise, it's a 30s musical comedy. Hey, what a surprise. It's The uh, uh, Happiest Millionaire or whatever the fuck we watched. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> it's about a boxer who raises crocodiles. Uh, it's called Boxer Crocodile <laughs> in the World of the Past. Uh, this is an Ernst Lubitsch film called One Hour with You, starring Maurice Chevalier and Jeanette McDonald. And it is a trim 79 minutes of a movie. Uh, and like that. it's a, it actually, even for a movie that short drags slightly near the end, but it's a lot of fun. It's very funny and it is a very strong example of a pre-code movie which, you know, before the production code came in, all the characters are talking about sex all the time. And it's basically a movie about a French man, Frenchman trying to decide whether he should cheat on his wife or not when it seems like his wife is actively pushing him towards it inadvertently without knowing it. And there are a number of scenes – there's some funny songs in it and some very funny moments in it and a lot of scenes where Maurice Chevalier addresses the character directly, addresses the camera directly uh, in a way that is very – feels very modern and is very funny. And I liked it a lot. It's a Lubitsch movie I've never really heard much about, but it's out on DVD called One Hour With You. I'd recommend that. And also I'm going to go to the Flophouse Book Club for a moment and recommend a book. Doesn't I, exist. Okay. <laughs> uh, a book for all you movie lovers out there called The Studio by John Gregory Dunn. Uh, in case you haven't read it, it's a book. John Gregory Dunn, the writer, uh, former spouse of Joan Didion, current dead guy, uh, he <laughs> – before he became a successful screenwriter himself – he basically said in the late 60s to Richard Zanuck, the vice president of 20th Century Fox, I want to write a book about your studio. Can I have total free access to every part of your studio for a certain amount of time? 
talk to anyone, just be anywhere and talk to anyone. They were like, yeah, sure, why not? And so he wrote this book with unfettered access of just about how a movie studio worked in the late 60s. And it's really cool. It's a great snapshot of a time when the old guard of movies was changing, but the new guard hadn't come in yet. And from the old guard's point of view, which makes it even more valuable, because so many books now I feel like are written from the point of view of the new Hollywood and not the old. And a lot of it is around the making of Dr. Doolittle and Planet of the Apes, when both those movies seemed like Crazy Risks, they thought Dr. Doolittle was going to be their big prestige hit, and they thought Planet of the Apes was going to be this crazy movie about apes, and had no idea which one was going to be successful or not. And so, uh, the studio by John Gregory Dunn, who, according to Wikipedia, is the, uh, uncle of, uh, Dominic Dunn, no, his brother Dominic Dunn, and uncle of, uh, Griffin Dunn. Wow. So... After Hours star, oh, an, Griffin Dunn. An uncle of Dominique Dunn of Poltergeist. <laughs> Rotting corpse from American <laughs> Werewolf of London, Griffin Dunn. So if you've ever said to yourself, I like Griffin Dunn in an American <laughs> Werewolf of London, but what's his uncle's book of like? Director <laughs> director of that one weird romantic comedy with Meg Ryan and Matthew Broderick, Griffin Dunn. Addicted to Love? Yeah, that's it. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, he directed and just, that. And just like that guy, we're all done. Yeah, we are all done. <laughs> I was racking my brain to come up with an awesome segue. There was just Stuart a great outline. Why are you still talking? <laughs> all right. For the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'll always be Elliot Kalen. You can't change that. Good night, everyone. All done. <laughs> Yeah, so you get a little bit of Twin Peaks connection there. Yep. Boner files. <laughs> People who love boners. File sure. this one in the boner files. <laughs> mysterious cases about boners that can't be explained through ordinary explanations. The mysterious affair at boners. The erection is out there. Do, 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 do. That's slapping in boners. <laughs> okay. When I was a child, I saw my sister abducted by boners. <laughs> Since then, I've tried to prove the truth about boners. Sure, this is your, this is your character, Fox Boner. Yeah, <laughs> I like him. Okay. And his and his sidekick, Boner Scully. <laughs> Let's well, do this. It's hot. Of course, there's FBI dr- Assistant Director Boner <laughs> and the Boner Smoking Man. <laughs> very, very clever stuff.